Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah. Um, it looks like there is a light on, so to speak. 
uh, for Debo Samuels as well. Um, but um, not so good news for uh, Justin Fields. It looks like he's going to miss some significant period of time with his injury. Um, let's see, who else has got her Jacksonville quarterback? Uh, Trevor Lawrence might end up going this upcoming week versus your boys on Thursday night. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, a couple other bumps and bruises associated with play. Um, looks like uh, Buffalo Bills running back uh, Damian Harris avoided significant injury. Um, I don't expect him to be able to go this upcoming week, but he avoided significant injury. Prayers up to him for his speed of recovery. Um, but all, all in all, it looks like it was a pretty clean week um, as far as NFL is concerned, as far as injuries. I did want to pivot really quickly um, and start talking about some other news and notes that from around the league. It looks like Julio Jones is back uh, suiting up for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, that news broke later earlier this afternoon. When you saw that news, Mr. Harvey, what came across your mind as Julio Jones latches on with another uh, team trying to get himself that eluded Super Bowl trophy. I mean, that's exactly what crossed my mind. It's it's uh, ring chasing. I mean, listen, he's already a franchise, all-time franchise leader, and I mean, every receiving record they got, uh, he is not obviously nearly the player that he was a few years ago, but nobody is, you know, at this stage of his career. But at the same time, like, listen, he is, he still has had to play this game if he's on the field. And you look at what they have at the tight end position, you look at what they have as far as their top two receivers, you talk about like a number three or number four option. Like, these are, you know, one on one. <laughs> against not even best corners, like, uh, you know, you, you had another guy banged up, so he comes in there. Uh, he gives you another option and a proven guy, you know, to try to throw the ball to. So, I mean, wow. listen, I, I think it's I think it's a win-win on both sides. Julio goes to a team that has a, you know, championship aspirations, a chance to get a ring. And, uh, yeah. you know, the Eagles uh, – you know, benefit from that veteran leader in the locker room. He was, uh, you know, he's been around A.J. Brown before. And uh, at the end of the day, these are still young receivers. He still gets learned some tips and tricks from the vet. Right, right. You know, it's funny, you, you know, people mention uh, him being a number three and a number four. Um I, I wonder what he, you know, if you look back to Julio Jones, I mean, he was in Tampa Bay. Uh, with Tom Brady and, and the cast of those particular characters, um, and he didn't necessarily get it done. He, he fizzled out of the league. So um, I, I'm, I'm hoping he does well because, again, that, that the only thing that he hasn't done really is get a, a, a Super Bowl trophy or play in a meaningful uh, playoff game to, to where he can get a trophy. But I got other stuff to get in the building. CP, what's going on, my guy? How are we doing this evening, sir? If my computer will get some act right. Uh, I'm all right. How are you, sir? I'm all right. How are you, sir? You know, a little bit under the weather, but the show must go on. Um, you know, again, popping some, popping some, uh, 
some some cough medicine or whatever, but the show got to go on, man. Good to hear from you. Um, breaking news, who's is in the building? Someone breaking news, how we doing today, sir? Fantastic. Serious. Uh, uh, sorry to hear you're, you're a little under the weather. I, uh, I, uh, I, I got a, a, a right arm injury <laughs> that uh, just got back uh, from the, the doctor's friend, so I can understand the feeling a little under it, but uh, very uh, eager to talk to you guys about football and the week that was. Definitely. Well, I want to go right back to you, Thomas. You uh, opened up the show today talking about Julio Jones jumping on with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, a lot of people that, I, that I'm talking to are calling it, quote, unquote, ring tracing. Um, but what say you, sir, when the news broke this, this afternoon? Um, it's interesting because uh, Julio didn't look his last good his last couple of outings, especially in Tennessee. So, I mean, he's still somebody you got to worry about on the field because of what he brings to a game. But um, I definitely know he's on a decline, so I'm hoping – that it don't turn out to be an extra weapon to add toward Philly because Philly's already a hostile offense as it is. So um, it's a good pickup. We'll see how it works out. Hopefully um, teams that contend uh, is going to get pretty interested for the Eagles because the Eagles do have the Cowboys a couple times. They play the Niners as well too. So they're trying to do their best to, I guess, load up that offense as best as they can too. And um, I don't know. I just hope whoever gets to play Philly can actually play as well as the Jets did as well, and um, continue to have these errors that Jalen Hurts put up throwing those three picks also. So um, I think that's something that was a concern. I think that they wanted more strength out there outside of A.J. Brown because I think A.J. is definitely more of their physical receiver. I think Devontae's that, you know, the lid blower off the defense and the speed. Other than that, if it's a 50-50 ball, um, you know, they could – you know, match up and break that up or whatever because Devontae's just straight speed to me. Um, so we'll, we'll see if Julio is the dynamic uh, piece to put alongside at least the two of them, Devontae and A.J. Brown. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you mentioned the breakdown between the three receivers um, and the fact that they do got some uh, tough opponents coming up and you want to load up on receivers. But in my opinion, and breaking this out, I'll come to you next, sir. In my opinion, uh, they need some help in the secondary um, and obviously in the red zone, like a lot of other teams were breaking news, you know, this news broke, you know, pun intended um, this afternoon when, when the news came across the screen, what were your first, your first thoughts and your knee-jerk reaction when you saw that Julio Jones was suiting up in, in, in the city of brotherly love? Well, I mean, for Julio, it makes sense, right? Because, for, for all that he's done in this league and whether you love him, hate him, whatever, at the very least, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, at the very least. Uh, he's never won a Super Bowl. And I know Atlanta got there, but he never won a Super Bowl, and the guy's definitely played well enough to win one. Um, and, and let's be honest, last week what they were missing was a red zone threat outside of A.J. Brown. I mean, I, to me, I don't think he sees 60% of the snaps in this offense. I mean, you're not going to put him on the field and pull off uh, Devontae Smith. But when you get down into the red zone and you have a five foot eight wide receiver, um, I mean, let's be honest, uh, even if you're throwing a fade, that, that is a, that's super challenging. 
as compared to Julio Jones, who's listed at 6'5", 243. I mean, that's basically a tight end. So we've all seen the, the miraculous, unbelievable catches that Julio has made over the years. I mean, even last year, he only had 23 receptions, but of those 23 receptions, two of them were for touchdowns. So Julio still has it in him to make big, big catches, move the first down marker. He's, you know, obviously still got the hands. He's, he may not quite have the speed like he used to, but I think he's, he's going to be a valuable piece for them, especially down in the red zone and crunch time trying to pick up first downs. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing kind of shakes itself out. Um, you know, y'all know my wife's a huge Eagles fan, so when the news broke, um, my wife is very, very even killed. She said this, picking up Julio Jones does not stop us from struggling in the red zone. It does not stop our offensive line from being banged up, and it doesn't cover anybody. I'm like, yo, baby, talk your stuff. Talk your stuff. I'm with it. I'm with it. You know, so uh, she was a little bit disgusted after watching what took place on Sunday, um, and she was kind of hoping that the Eagles would do something else and go a different direction, get some get some help in the secondary. Um, but I, I digress, man. For me, like I said, I, I'm curious to see how it all pans out. You know, I'm encouraged by, you know, Julio Jones being able to potentially jump on and, and chase a ring, um, but you know, time will definitely tell. Uh, call the number is 929 Again, locked on with the Sports City Chef here on uh, the NFL front office show, uh, week six edition. I wanted to change gears really, really quickly um, and talk about another interesting signing that took place over over today, over the last couple of days. Um, we, we have this group thread here, and I was uh, mentioning the simple fact that <clears> – <throat> that the power rankings did come out. Um, and, Thomas, you posted this, so go ahead and kind of serve your little dish with these power rankings. I wanted to talk a little bit about that and kind of get some people's opinion on where these where, where these teams stack up. Thomas, talk to me, man. If you're talking, you're on mute, sir. Yeah, mute. Yeah, I sure was talking on you running my mouth, too. Um, this is the crazy part about it. Um, There's a couple of uh, listings that have power rankings. I just posted that one quick because that was the first thing I got this morning. I still was just ecstatic of how much the boys jumped up there. But I, I feel like from what we've been through and shown, I feel like the – um, I don't – well, I'm, you know, I'm an 80 baby, but I went through a cartoon called The Peanuts Gang, and it's when Charlie Brown – went to camp. I don't know if y'all ever saw that one, but the bad kids were screaming, we're number one. We're number one. So right now we're number one right now, man, because um, Coach did lose to Cleveland on the road. The Cleveland defense is tough, and everybody's, you know, putting a lot of it on you, – well, majority should be the kicker for the loss. I, I got to – because that's a chipper. But they're also saying about the Debo injury and the McCaffrey injury. Do you know – how many significant injuries are on the Detroit Lions? Do you know the Lions are playing without seven starters? Do you know they've been hurt since week one? Do you know that they've been playing four weeks to start the season without Jamison Williams? Do you know Jamison Williams first got his first significant catch? And all of this stuff is happening right now, and they're piecing it together, and J- Jameer Gibbs wasn't on the field. 
Montgomery went down. Like we we are missing pieces in just as strong offense and defense. I, I feel like we could go toe to toe with the Niners. So um, with that being said, the way that the Niners lost the regulation, we lost in overtime, coin flip game, and that was to a playoff team. Cleveland wasn't a playoff team. So there's interesting standpoints. Miami losing to uh, Buffalo that bad, they they damn near gave up 50 points. That's the one thing I look at is Miami's defense. If Miami's defense can't get it together, I don't give them that upper leg. It's, it's 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 a lottery pick between 49ers, Eagles, Lions, at least at the top of that. Uh, food chain, and then you know you can start fizzling out how the rest of it falls out. But it, it's just it's just good to see him either be two or one, or or it, it's funny when you see people say three, four, or five. It's like come on, I like that's still people holding reservations on seeing if they do slip somewhere. And this is this is an interesting game coming up this week up against Baltimore in Baltimore. But it's like if they pull this win off in Baltimore, then what do people say? Oh well, you gotta. You got to win in L.A. up against the Chargers, and the Chargers didn't look good uh, against the Cowboys. So uh, Detroit just got to keep this fire in their belly and uh, keep playing like they they looked at as the underdog. And and knowing people are trying to hunt for them, they're playing that type of defense. They're the best run defense in the league. I I give them – man, I I love it, man. I'd never thought we would be number one on top of the mountain right now, but uh, at least – or in the discussion. And um, Mm – People are taking notice. People are holding their reservations, so I love it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because the Detroit Lions, according to the list that you uh, sent us in the, in the group thread, are sitting at number two. San Fran is on top of the mountain at number one. You know, Kansas City, Philadelphia, and Buffalo round out the top five, respectively. Um, I have some issues with the Buffalo one, but – uh, that was a top five that, that got lifted off. You know, breaking news, I'll come to you, sir, uh, on, on this list. Your nine are gang is sitting at the top of the mountain. Um, however, TP, you know, is of the impression that they can go toe-to-toe with the Lions um, because of the, 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 the nastiness of the loss you took on, on Sunday. Times that by the fact that you experienced some significant injuries to some key pieces. Um, I know I don't like to do the power ranking thing, but it does make for a great open discussion and, 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 and honestly a nice little barometer of uh, where your team is located, you know, for all intents and purposes, the Steelers are um, on this list listed at number 16. So now yeah, it's a little bit higher than I thought we'd be, but I, I digress. But the Niners are number one, man, and this power ranking that was supposed to be talking to me about it. Breaking news, if you're talking, you're on mute, too. I apologize. You're absolutely right. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, So, on Sunday, I told Ty this. I've been very bullish on the Niners all year long. And going into the game against Cleveland, I said, hey, this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. I expected us to win, but I said, it's going to be close. It's going to be a one-score type game. I said, no, it's going to be double digits. You're going to smash them. I knew. Listen, you're playing, you're playing in really bad weather. It was raining. It was windy. That's not real good for an aerial attack. It's good for defenses to get after it. It's good for, you know, a lot of things, but it's not good for an aerial attack with a quarterback that basically thrives off timing and pinpoint precision 
not based off of his physical traits and talent. So if it was my list, here's what, here's, here's what I would change, Sirius. I love my Niners, and you know what? Just a quick shout-out to me and Ty. I'm not going to include James Greenwood because we all know that he's an Oakland Raider fan. But listen, we've been doing this show a long time, and there's been plenty of times where the Niners and the Lions were at the bottom of the list when we were doing this show uh, 10 years ago. So kudos that we're both being mentioned in that same breath. But if I, if I had to give my honest power rankings, I don't think there's any doubt right now in my mind even with some of the weird stuff that Patrick Mahomes has done with the ball, uh, I think Kansas City has to be number one. No disrespect to Detroit, but they were playing without Kelsey, without Chris Jones. Mahomes finally has a top 10 defense to back up an offense that is only improving. I think Kansas City should probably be number one, and you could absolutely make uh, an argument that Detroit – should be the, the, the number one team from the NFC side. Look, I, you take your pick. The Eagles are a, a battle-tested team that literally have just played close game after close game after close game. And you know what? For, for us, the fans, it's not pretty to watch, but there's value in playing close games like that and coming out on top. But there's also something to be said when you play an inferior opponent like the Jets. And I know the Jets gave it everything they had and I know Hurts did everything he could to keep them in that game. But when you're playing an inferior opponent, you, you put them away, like the Niners did against the Cowboys. And, yes, I mean disrespect to, to Cowboy fans. The, the bottom line is, is there's a, a, a bunch of teams. We've been talking about the AFC for the last couple of years being the dominant conference. Yet, if you look at the power rankings, there's only one or two teams in the top five or six that are AFC teams. There's a lot of really good NFC teams. I think more than people originally anticipated. And when you look at the way that the, the schedules play out, I think it's very possible you could have at least two one-loss teams all the way up till probably week 10 or 11 um, on, the, on the NFC side. So I really the, – the power rankings are good. I really like Miami quite a bit. I'm bullish on them. I'm bullish on Kansas City. I, I would put San Francisco lower. I put, wouldn't put him at one. That loss was ugly. And you know what? Kudos to Brock for, for at least driving them down the field and giving them an opportunity to win. But the same thing I'm going to say about my Niners is the same thing I would say to any Philadelphia fan that said we should have won that game. The bottom line is you don't put yourself in a position where you're relying on a rookie kicker to kick a 41-yard field goal. I mean, you're going to be in close games. Don't get me wrong. But they put themselves in a position on the road – with less than two minutes to go for that stadium to be raucous and crazy and screaming as loud as I've ever heard the dog pound in all the games that I've watched there, even non-Niner games. So, you know, kudos to them for getting the win. It was a huge win for them and their franchise. And you know what? The Niners put themselves in a position where, you know what, they honestly, they deserve to lose. They deserve to lose. Offense didn't look good. They scored on the opening possession and didn't score again. I don't think until the until the third quarter. So it just wasn't good. But for me, for my money, I like Kansas City at one. You know, can I respond? Can I respond? Can I respond? Can I respond? Yeah, go ahead. Can I respond? Brian, that's not the same Kansas City without being to me. I, I don't. That offense ain't even powerful. That offense ain't put. They ain't even lighting the scoreboard up like we used to see. And um, they're nail biting their way through games. And I got to give them credit right. for getting through those games. 
but they they aren't the same Kansas City. They are, but to me, they look vulnerable. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say this here and now. If they played the Dolphins, the Dolphins would beat them. The Dolphins would and outshoot them in a game. Well, yeah, but the problem with that, that logic, Ty, is, is it's not that the – listen, nobody's going to argue with you that the Dolphins' offense isn't better than the Kansas City offense right now. But the problem is the Dolphins' offense would be playing the Kansas City defense, which is a significantly better group than the Dolphins' defense. So what yeah. I'm saying is this is the best team. Listen, I love Tyreek Hill. I love the weapons that they had there. And you know what? When you pay your quarterback, everybody knows it's hard to keep a complete team around you. But give Rice, give some of these kids a little bit of time to develop some chemistry. I, I will tell you right now, I think this is going to end up being one of the better teams that Patrick Mahomes has had around him. He doesn't have to do everything on his own. The defense can actually stand on their own two feet. They don't have to win games 45 to 42. I hear what you're saying, but I think you're also discrediting what this defense brings to the table. The Dolphins are, are, are offense is phenomenal, but you're not telling me with two minutes to go up by five that you feel comfortable with the Dolphins defense being out there and Pat Mahomes leading an 80-yard drive. They're, they're trash. They're trash. You've got to yeah, have a balanced team, and they're not balanced. Right, but the the uh, the Chiefs they're not balanced either. The defense is ahead of the offense. Let's let's be real here. What what are the points per game that the, the Chiefs are averaging? The offense is the question right now. Mahomes is the the key. Kelsey don't really look like himself. Plus, Kelsey's been getting nicked up too. So, okay, uh, there is Tony. Well, you can ask everybody about him. They they're not big on him. Like the the names in the receiver quarter have to save them aren't the guys that you're looking for at the end of the game either. Like they are vulnerable. I, I feel like the the Dolphins could raise just as much of a threat, and I think their running game is better than the Chiefs' running game. They can actually control yeah, the ball outside of the passing game, and let alone at this point in time in six games, Tyreek has over 800 yards receiving. He is going to shatter Calvin Johnson's record. He has 800 yards receiving. That's that's annihilation. They can't be him. They can't be him. If they get caught and press me and he's burning and whoever it is, whoever thinks they can cover him one-on-one is a, is a problem. If he stays healthy, I agree with you. But once again, if you look at Kansas City, last four games, and granted, I understand one game was against the Broncos and one game was, was against the Jets, but they have literally scored 41, 23, 27, 19. Granted, that is not world beater. But if you look at those games, they've had two games where the opposition has scored 10 points or fewer. So you can score 21 points when you hold the other team to nine. You can score 27 if you hold the other team to 10. So that's what I'm saying. It's like when you get down to crunch time, as long as the defense is holding the offense in check, I don't know if there's a quarterback in this league that you would trust more in that situation than Pat Mahomes. So I'm just saying for me personally – that's where that's the, where I would put, and I still believe, and I told you this last year. Listen, Tua looks good. I don't I don't want to start a whole different debate, but I I, I don't think Tua is elite. I do think that Tua is the type of quarterback mm-hmm. that you get pressure on him and he crumbles. He crumbles. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen it last mm-hmm. year against the Niners. We wow. saw it earlier this year. You get pressure on him, especially up the middle in his face, and he crumbles. So but that's every, that's every quarterback. I understand that, but some, some quarterbacks he's leading, don't he's leading, he's leading the MVP race. He's leading the MVP race. Go look at Vegas. He's leading the race. 
How is he not elite if he's leading the MVP? And you know what? Who was leading the race last week? Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, the seventh round pick from a oh, year ago. I'm not ago. disrespecting Brock. No, I'm not disrespecting Brock. I just, Brock. No, 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 no. I'm not either. My point being is just because somebody's leading the race right now, don't mean they're going to be leading the race at week 17. But the thing, the thing is, gentlemen, that, that, that you guys are, again, eloquently spoken by both parties, we've seen what, take, what took place when you pressure and harass Tua Tagovailoa. That loss against Buffalo was ugly. They got in that dude's face. They, they just harassed the mess out of him. So to, to, to Brian's point, if you get into a tug of Aloha's face and harass the hell out of him, so to speak, it makes it very difficult for him to go, you know, air yards and do all that other type of stuff that, that, that we're not going to see. Now, again, to, to TP point, this offense is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They're coming up with funky touch, touchdown dances in the end zone like, like they're going out of style because they're able to score a lot of points. But we all know this, and again, we all played the game. When it comes time to November, December football, you got to be able to stop somebody and run with the big dogs. And again, I have not seen a Miami Dolphins team be able to play defense and run with the big dogs. We have seen Patrick Mahomes do it. We have seen Buffalo and Josh Allen do it. Hell, we've seen the Cincinnati Bengals do it, who is a team that's starting to get themselves back right, too. We have seen Baltimore do it at times, but when it comes time to play smash mouth football and grind out dubs, the Miami Dolphins up to now have not proven to be able to do that. But, again, we're having a whole different conversation. I'm talking about powering, and here we go talking about the Miami Dolphins. Mr. Harvey, talk to me, man. These power rangers came out today. Um, based off of what I saw, you're a New Orleans Saints are at 19 um, in these power rankers. So you can talk about where your, where your Saints are or what we've just been discussing. No, so I want to talk about where we are at first. I, I got a lot to say about the Saints, and I don't want to do that uh, right now. I, they're probably about where they should be, to be honest with you. Uh you know, the the exact thing T.I. told you he did not want. Mediocre. Uh, but, end of the day, the, the one thing that stands out to me about the Lions, unlike what we've seen with Philadelphia so far this year, is the Lions aren't playing with their food uh, for the most part. Uh, they're taking care of business and, and beating teams up. T.P. pointed out their defense. Um, you know, Philly's played a lot of close games. To me, uh, when I look at power rankings right now, I still I still favor San Francisco probably, but I think you can kind of, you know, you could draw them however you want to. I look at San Francisco and then probably Detroit, uh, Philly being battle-tested. I still like uh, what Philly has up front and on that line as well. Um, but – those are probably my top three, and then Kansas City's right there to me too. Those are kind of to me um, the top four, and if I were to say sort of tiers. Uh, and it's interesting that three of the top four, you know, are coming from the NFC. Though I still think there's plenty of depth in the AFC, and you got some good teams there. Uh, you know, I, I look at that. I you know I thought about you uh, breaking news on. Sunday, I know you said something to me on this very show right after uh, my team blew a, a field goal last second 
thought about the same thing there. I mean, yeah, you're right. It, they they scored early and weren't able to to score again for a while. Uh, that's still a makeable kick in a road game, but it was ugly weather and you called it as far as uh, the defense goes. To me, uh, you know, I I think our Steelers and Saints are about where they should be, but I I like those. Uh, I like the four I just told you at the top. I would probably still rank. Like I said, I'd probably go San Francisco, Detroit, uh, Philly, Kansas City. I I like Kansas City's defense, and but I also agree with TP in that I'm not sure. Uh, you know, you don't have the enemy there anymore. You have what Matt? Yeah, he's a great coach, uh-huh. but I <laughs> but I do like Andy Reid. I trust him, but uh, Matt Nagy's not a guy I have a whole lot of faith in. And I don't have a lot of faith and trust in these Kansas City wide receivers. I think if Kelsey's on the field, they're better because he's going to draw a lot of attention. But I don't have a lot of faith in these uh, Kansas City wide receivers. Uh, Maybe some of them continue to grow up and maybe we we see them emerge over the course of the year. Uh, But to break into this point, if, if these guys do grow up into the system, this might be the best defense they've had. Right? And so uh, you do need to play, for the most part, the teams that find a way to win it uh, are able to play complementary football. And so even if you're not great on one side versus the other, you know, you find a way to complement each other. And so I, I've seen that with Detroit. And to me, uh, you had this close ball game this past Sunday in Cleveland, in bad weather, on the road, against a nasty defense. Listen, that Cleveland defense uh, has gotten slept on by some people. They, they've been really yep. good just looking at the numbers. But other than this past Sunday and other than, you know, uh, a couple, one or two games this, this year, to me, San Francisco and Detroit have been the two most dominant teams in football so far. You know, um, I can't disagree with that. Um, one more thing and then we can, we can move on. Excuse me. This Kansas City Chiefs team kind of reminds me of the build that the old school Patriots used to use, where you have a dominant quarterback, uh, all pro tight end, and then a bunch of Walmart type of guys um, to kind of run around and just you know make you know make chicken salad out of chicken crap. Um, and it looks like that's what um, this, the Kansas City Chiefs are putting out there. At the end of the day. They're five and one. They're winning ball games. They got a you know a, a tough opponent this upcoming week. Um, so I'm gonna learn a lot about them this upcoming week. With that being said, before we press on, shout out to PHI Pair for sponsoring the show as well as the rest of them. Let's give a shout out to our sponsors. This portion of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Shout out to PHI Apparel for sponsoring this show as well as a bunch of others uh, here on Sports City Chef the Network. 
with that transition, I wanted to move and talk about the games that were. Uh, we already heard Breaking News talk about his um, his 49ers. TC kind of started talking about the Lions. Break, uh, Harvey, man, I'm going to give you a little bit of time, man. You know, talk to me about yeah. what's going on and who that nation, um, as well as kind of looking ahead to your upcoming game this upcoming week. So I'm curious to see if Trevor Lawrence plays if he does it in trouble. Uh, listen, uh, so there, there's two uh, really sides to this thing, and you know how they always say it, too. Usually when you have two sides of a story, that means there's really three sides, right? So there's one side, the other side, and the truth. <laughs> so uh, let me start there. But, but first of all, on this game here, even though they had some things that didn't go well, this is a game that this team very easily, you could argue, could have or should have won. Uh, you had an interception early in the game. And linebackers run the ball back, Zach Vaughn, and then fumbles the ball back, gives the Texans a ball in the short field, they take advantage and score. Uh, the Texans hit some explosive plays in the first half. Uh, the Saints were able to get stops in the second and come back. Rookie kicker missed two kicks. One of them was a 52-yarder. No, he's hit one from that range already. But the other one was a 29-yarder, no excuse for that. So you left points on the field. Um, but this team also got in the red zone multiple times and was unable to do anything once they got there. Uh, the passing yards, you know, you can look at it and say, well, Derek Carr threw for 350 yards. Well, I hope so. He threw the ball 50 times. Uh, he completed 32 of them, so a 64% completion rate. And I'll stand corrected as of right now. Uh, to me, He's going to have to continue to show me more if that shoulder, that shoulder needs to continue to get better. Uh, you know, you could have gotten this kind of production out of Andy Dawson. Uh, I told TP, I didn't know if I'd say he was as bad as Tannehill. He played a little better than Tannehill played these last couple of weeks. Uh, but this is uh, this is very uh, average quarterback play. He did push the ball down the field a little bit more, uh, but he also missed on some very easy throws. And what I say about being one – there being three sides of the story. You know, there's a faction that says, you know what, Pete Carmichael is not it. Pete Carmichael needs to go. He never really called a lot of plays before. Sean Payton was kind of the guy that did most of the play calling. And so, you know, he needs to go. We need a uh, more seasoned play caller. Uh, I also saw something today that said Pete Carmichael has enough ammo now to be able to point to uh, Derek Carr being the reason why this team's not executing some of the, like, I'm calling the plays and these things aren't being executed uh, at this level. And I think, to be quite honest with you, uh, the truth is somewhere in the middle. I, I think that you got a guy like Kamara at the backfield who is still explosive, but you're so busy trying to stretch him, get him on the edge, and he's dinking dunk three yards. And, yeah, he can make a guy miss, but at the same time, like, get up field. Uh, you know, TB, TB pointed out earlier uh, on, on Sunday, the, the whole Lions mantra forward and down the field. Yeah, let's do that. Let's stop trying to, like, always uh, stretch it out as far as we can. This 
you got speed. You have weapons. Uh, there were a couple plays where Rashid ran the wrong route. He kind of made up for it a little bit later. But it was interesting because the coach, Dennis Allen, even said, uh, once again, Dennis Allen's a good defensive coordinator. I'm not sure that he is a winning head coach. I still have my questions about him. Uh, But, you know, Dennis Allen said in the locker room and to the media afterwards, he said, we just need to execute the plays that are called. We need to, you know, execute at a higher level. And if we don't have the guys that can do that, then we need to find the ones that can. And I think some of that should should be applied to the offensive coordinator as well. Uh, there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, this team is it, just mediocre right now. Serious, like um, they they won ugly a couple weeks. Um, and, and I think that to be honest with you, they they did play well a week ago against a poor New England Patriots team. Uh, you know, what you would think should be like sort of a get-right game for that team. But I think they walked away from that game smelling themselves a little bit. Um, and I'm not saying that it didn't necessarily prepare at the same level. Uh, but I saw flashes. I, you know, this week this you also got a lot of injuries on the offensive line too. So I think the odds are pretty good that in – just a little bit more than 48 hours for the first time this team drops below 500. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they have the personnel to be better. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they have the coaching staff to do so. And I, I've got to see more in the quarterback because I, I, I'm finally to a point where, okay, I've kind of given a six game audition in my head and I don't believe in you anymore. Uh, I saw a thing today that said the Oakland Raiders, like from a Raiders fan post that said, enjoy the car ride. It's not a lot of fun. Um, so uh, we'll see. Uh, there's still plenty of time to prove it. But, uh, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, the the coaches are not maximizing the talent. And I don't think the trigger man is hitting the people who needs, you know, executing at the level that he needs to execute at. Uh, to, should be the type of team you want to be. Well, let me say this, you know, kind of, you know, to piggyback off of what you said there, you know, you got the Jaguars this week, you know what I'm saying? That's a toss-up game depending upon what happens injury-wise with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then in week eight, you got the Indianapolis Colts. You should be able to beat the Colts. Gardner Minshew is playing. It looks like, you know, AR is going to be on the show for the rest of the season, If you know, definitely this game here. You got the Chicago Bears team, which is struggling. You got the Minnesota Vikings team, which is probably not going to have Justin Jefferson. You got your bye, and then you got the Atlanta Falcons before you play a legitimate opponent in Week 13. And the Detroit Lions. You got the Carolina Panthers. You got the New York Football Giants, who again I know Pop Warner football teams in my era that can probably beat the Giants right now. So I mean, the, the sky isn't falling for the, the, the Saints. So, I mean, again, I get it that you don't uh, like the, the sample size that, that you've seen. Um, again, you lost to the Houston Texans in week six um, this past week. But, again, you, by your own admission, you could have won that ball game. So, I mean, again, it's time will tell. I'm curious to see what they do on Thursday. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and press on really quickly. TP, man. You, you, you hold on, hold on. Before you go, the... before, wait, wait. Before you go any yeah. further, Michael, 
now now before you tell me to hold my horses, you better listen to me. When I tell you Carr and Tannehill on the same level, they on the same level. That that's that car ride that they've been telling you about. It you you just buckle up. You just bug. I tried to tell you. They won't listen to me. I'm trying to tell you them. They just them two. I do not like. I, don't let me see them in a the bar. Okay. I'm sorry, serious. I, I apologize. I had to get no, that out. You straight. You straight. You, 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 you know what I'm saying. So honestly, um, you know, ultimately, you know, TP, I, I'll come right to you, man. The Detroit Lions took care of business uh, this past week. Um, Getting, I mean, it, it, it wasn't even really in doubt. You guys took care of business. I wanted to talk to you about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. You know, the ins and outs of what you saw and kind of your trajectory looking ahead to your uh, uh, next opponent as well as what's coming on down the pike, man. So you guys won 20 to 6 um, against the Cream Sickles. Talk to me about it. I don't even know where to begin or how to start this, but I'm like nervous about this Sunday because. This is a dude that we owe. We owe Lamar for the last time we played him. This happened four years ago in Detroit. The Lions had the lead. The game should have been over. And um, they didn't. All of the refs and clocks and everything got involved. And then Tucker hits the longest field goal in NFL history. And it hits the crossbar and goes over. So this is something that I personally wanted to see what we could do. But I don't want to have that attached to me because I know how karma works. Please leave me alone. So the the game Sunday, I, I from from I mean from week three on, everything that Detroit has done up until this point has been excellent. Like uh, they're growing on the fly, and the crazy part about it is, is they're getting better and better game after game, and getting injured in the process. Like that's the worst part. They're getting better and better and stronger and stronger while they're losing player after player. Hell, they went into this game and Sam Laporta was questionable. They wanted him to sit and he still played and he's got a calf situation. It's like everybody that's popping Achilles and stuff, it's like sit him out. He's a rookie. Like don't don't burn him. But he was still effective enough to go out there and play. They're they're doing a lot of work out there on that field in, in multiple facets and um I was talking about Tua. We were talking about Brock Purdy in the MVP. Um, and my Terrell Owens December voice. That's my quarterback, man. That's my quarterback. I'm I'm so happy with I'm so happy with golf. I don't know what to do with myself. Like, yeah, he has three interceptions on the season, but everything else he's been able to do is electric. With him not with him playing that game already without Gibbs, and then Montgomery got hurt. I think second quarter. And he had to go in there with Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds is a you know a serviceable back. He's not he's not the guy we wanted to be the bell cow. And Goff had to take over and um, finally got Jamison the ball. And that's not even the half of it. If you guys have not been paying attention to what Detroit is doing defensively, oh my goodness, it's <laughs> like oh my goodness. The guy everybody was talking about was CJGJ, and he's the the the, the speaker box of the defense and. Oh, he had six picks with the Eagles last year. He's going to help them. This guy tore his peck week two, and the defense got better with him at home. And it's like they had two games where they held people to six points. They held the Packers and Lambeau to six. They went to Tampa Bay and held the Bucks to six, and they're undefeated on the road. Like the one loss that they have was in overtime in Detroit. This is, I, I can't believe that this is the type of football that these dudes are playing. Uh, everything is is built up for me for this Baltimore game, and I, I, the one part about it is I love Lamar. So it's like I'm going up against a quarterback style that I love that he can scramble and 
make it difficult, but it's like us going to have to shut that down. It's us or else at the end of the day. And um, like I said, to me, even though, you know, you got people that are waiting for us to lose, like the Charlie Brown goes to camp, we're number one. We're number one. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how this game plays out. You know, again, I, I have a distaste for um, the team you're playing, you know, the, the, this week um, in, in the Baltimore Ravens. And, again, I, I think you said it right, sir. You, you owe them. You, you definitely owe them. So, uh, time will tell, man. I mean, Jared Goff is, 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 is moving the ball really, really well. Um, you've got some injuries that you alluded to at the running back position. Um, I'm curious to see when, you know, when Gears finally uh, uh, unleashes himself and, you know, starts to do what, you know, he's been drafted to do. There's a lot of people waiting for him to, to, to bust out. So I'm curious to see what, what Jameer Gears is up doing. But looking ahead to, excuse me, looking ahead to your upcoming schedule, um, you've got the Baltimore Ravens and the Vegas Raiders, and then you got yourself a bye. And then you you know you kind of wind up pretty 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 easily, man. You got some divisional opponents, the L.A. Chargers, uh, Denver Broncos, Dallas Cowboys. So again, you know the the arrow was pointed, you know, north of eleven, uh, uh, eleven wins for you guys this year, uh, with how you guys have played and the trajectory you guys are on. I, I can definitely uh, see uh that happening. By the way, I don't understand why people are pushing the Kyle Schwarber. I'm sorry. That just that just happened in front of me. I am so sorry. But go ahead, talk to me about how you guys are how you guys are faring. I told you beginning of the season when you what was it, August? I was like yeah. eleven and six or twelve and five. I was like if we do what was it, thirteen and four or, or fourteen and three Call the police. <laughs> like, like, call the police. Like, I'm out in the street going crazy. Don't give me no 15 or 2 or 16 or 1 because I'm, I'm literally going to need a straight jacket. But the way that they're playing, like, uh, I was watching a show today. They said even if the Lions did lose three more games, they're still four, 13 and 4. And I'm like, I told Sirius this on air. I told him that. I'm like, I didn't want to see. I'm, I'm trying to be reasonable because I don't want to get my hopes up all high. You know what I'm saying? So, I just gotta let it play out. I know it's gonna be losses that we suffer. Be like, damn, we should have won that game. Damn, we should have won that game. But they just gotta get healthy. If they could just stay away from the injury bug, and we could go out there with like the lineup of, I just want to see an offense where it's Gibbs, Jamison Williams, Saint Brown, Laporta. Like, like I want to see that. Like, what what would the defense do? I want to see all defenses on the hill trying to handle that. Like, Terry Fran got McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, uh, and 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 Kittle. Like, like let me get a play. I see speed everywhere. So. I can't wait. I I just got to be patient. Yeah, man. It's going to be interesting. Breaking news, man. You kind of spoke about what's going on uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of elaborate on that um, if you wanted to, or we can press on and talk about a couple of the games that we saw on the this weekend. Talk to me, man. Yeah, man. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Niners. I feel like we, I feel like we spend a fair amount of time talking about uh, the Niners, they lost this week. Give uh, give Cleveland their roses, man. They 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 took down they took down the undefeated juggernaut, the the consensus number one team in the league. Uh, you know, in their backyard without their starting quarterback, uh, and the defense played lights out, man. They really did. the The crowd was into it. Uh, good, bad, and different, regardless of what the weather was. 
both teams played in the same conditions. I, I just wanted to use the time to say kudos, major kudos to Cleveland. And everybody talks about T.J. Watt, about Micah Parsons, about, you know, uh, Bosa, about all these guys for defensive player of the year. A guy that might be available at the trade deadline that's number one in the league right now in sacks, Daniel Hunter, always having himself a year, a year. Can't wait to see where that that man ends up. He deserves to be on another team besides Minnesota. Right, right. I, I, I feel you there. I definitely feel you there. And I, actually, I wanted to go to that particular game. The Minnesota Vikings uh, eked out a, a, a win this past week, beating the Chicago Bears 19-13 to in a game that kind of shocked me, if you will. Not so much as the fact that the Minnesota Vikings won. It's just that I really would have thought – that both teams would have been able to score, um, and it looked like both teams took turns trying to hand the game over. Um, I- I'll come back to you, breaking news, man. I'm sure you had had a couple eyes on that game, um, you know, a- as your game w- was going on. So I don't know if you had the, the dual box, but Minnesota emerged victorious in the first game without Justin Jefferson. Talk to me about it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go right back to to what you just said and say, you know, I I honestly thought Chicago would win this game, but I I, I think I think the 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 player of the game uh, in this contest. I mean, Kurt only threw for 181 yards. You know, Madison, their running back, 18 carries for 44 yards. It's not like the offense was overly great, but the man I just mentioned, Daniel Hunter, two sacks. Four quarterback knockdowns, six hurries. I mean, he's a he's a he's a difference maker. And when you play in a, a, a low scoring tight affair where both teams are scoring less than twenty points, you know, nineteen to thirteen, that's the difference in a game. It really is. You know, one quarterback has a little bit of time, the other quarterback has no time, and that's why I'm saying I can't wait to see where this man ends up because everybody in the NFL knows that Minnesota is not going to resign this man. He's getting older. He deserves a shot at a championship. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just happy for Hunter that he's really having a career year because I, I, I want to see him on a good team with a legitimate edge rusher across from him to see what he can really do. It's been a long time since this man has had a really good edge rusher on the other side of him. Yeah, you know, um, hell, I take him to Pittsburgh, you know what I'm saying? Don't 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 get it twisted. Come on, come come on to Pittsburgh, man. Brian Forrest likes this, you know what I'm saying? So let's talk us up. Um coming up next, man, we're gonna go rapid fire here. The Jacksonville Jaguars and Indianapolis Colts uh locked up and the Jacksonville Jaguars seem to be catching their stride a little bit, uh winning the winning the last three games that, that they played. Uh Thomas, I'll come to you, sir. Uh, Gardner Minshew played his former be- former buddies. Um, talk to me about it, man. Jacksonville won 37-20, to man. That was a gift wrap game. He gave it back to him. They got his career started. Um, I, I feel bad for the Colts for everything, or well, the players. I feel bad for the players for everything that they're going through, uh, dealing with the injury of Anthony Richardson and the way that he started out, and it looked like it was going to be promising, and he's potentially out for the season. With the surgeries facing, they made Taylor sit out for the reckless management and ownership that they got out there. And uh, this is going up against a Jacksonville team where they could have proved it within the division and um, take advantage of a situation where 
they actually knocked Trevor Lawrence around. Trevor got hurt in the game, um, but nevertheless, they were able to pull it out and give up over 30-some-odd points at that. So here's another knock in Indianapolis. One of their players just got a six-game suspension today uh, for PED use, too. So um, it's incredible what's going on with the Colts at this point in time. Hopefully they could survive and and make it interesting down the stretch, but um, it's too many pieces missing right now. I I feel like this is going to be a a good situation going bad from here to week 18. Yeah, I, it, it's it's sad because I, I honestly I think the Colts have a have a solid squad. I mean, Pittman is is, is a solid wide receiver one. You got a dual headed monster and and Moss and 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 Taylor there. You know, so I figure you know Richardson, you know, would have been able to go in there and get some work done. And um, so I'm a little bit discouraged about that. Um, but again, time will definitely tell. Man, Harvey, I, I'll come to you, man. Um, your, your LSU boy Joe Burrow seems to, you know, figured it out with 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 his partner Jamar Chase and company. They emerged victorious, beating the Seattle Seahawks seventeen to thirteen. Uh, talk to me about what you saw uh, as that game unfolded. Well, it wasn't uh, really pretty, uh, you know, all day, but wasn't the best weather. It wasn't the easiest circumstances, but. Yeah, we talked about this a couple times before. Sometimes you do have to win ugly. I think that, you know, here's the thing. Uh, They did it earlier in the year against the Rams. Uh, That Cincinnati defense has stepped up a little bit and is playing much better football. This is probably, uh, I mean, this is the best defense that they've had Uh, so far. I mean, you know, he made the comment earlier, breaking news made the comment about, this being the best defense that Holmes has had, it's probably the best defense that, that Burroughs had too. Now, I'm not saying that they're an elite defense, but that defense is playing better. I think that Burrow looks a little bit better each week. Um, and then I, you know, Chase is, uh, is, is starting to kind of come out. He didn't have as, as big a game this past weekend, but, but nobody really did. I expected this to be a higher scoring game than what it turned out to be. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, Seattle's a good football team. And, uh, you know, this is a game that, quite frankly, two or three weeks ago, I don't think Cincinnati wins. And so, uh, you know, I, I think they're starting to round into shape a little bit and and starting to become more of the team that they, you know, envision being at the beginning of the season. So, you know, it's strange, though, because it seems like other than his rookie year when he almost got killed and then went down in week eight, um, it seems to be a recurring theme with Joe Burrow and Cincinnati that they start the season sluggish. They have trouble getting out of the gate. And then a lot of times once they do, um, you know, they, they settle in and end up playing really well. Uh, we are going to get a very good measuring stick and find out exactly how good this team is and where they are uh, after their bye week. they got a bye week now, and then they come right back off that bye and play San Francisco. I'm not saying they win that game, but I think how they, uh, you know, play, what, what kind of accounting they make or what kind of accounting they make for themselves that day, it's going to give us an idea of where uh, Cincinnati is 
you know, as far as rounding into shape. But I, I think this is a, a decent football team, and I think they're still going to be in contingent in that AFC North. It looked bleak for a little while, but I think they're starting to kind of figure it out. You know, it's funny you mentioned the, them contending in the AFC North. I still think they have the best quarterback in the AFC North, and I do think they have the best assortment of skill player positions in the AFC North, even with my own squad. Um, so, I mean, the thing is, you got to knock them out while you, while you have the opportunity because, again, you alluded to it, they've always started slow. Um, and then they've caught fire uh, late and, 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 gone, and gone on these massive runs. So I'm curious to see what they do. This week they got a buy. And, again, I, I'm, I'm not going to say a buy can come at a bad time, but I think this buy kind of comes at a bad time because they, they started to get some footing and starting to figure some things out, and then all of a sudden you're off for a week, um, and now you have to restart the engine. So curious to see how that pans out. Call the number is 929 like I promoted Sports City Chuck in the next hour or so, you know, as we wrap up here. Um, I want to talk a Dude. little bit. Uh, talk to me, talk to Dude. me, talk to me. I got, I got, I got something for you, man. Listen, you, you've been, you've been, you've been plating dishes for everybody else. We, we can't, we can't skip the fact that your team knocked off Baltimore, and pretty much the entire NFL thinks that the uh, the play that, that won that game for you guys late, the, the picket to to Pickens, uh, was improvised and not called by your offensive coordinator. And if you look at him in the booth, when they actually scored the touchdown, it kind of confirms that he don't look like he was real pleased with the call. So as, as a fan and as a, a man that follows the team pretty closely, I want to get your thoughts. On that situation, and obviously, you know, obviously winning the game. Yeah, so um, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I did record a finger food uh, about that game, which is going to probably drop uh, tomorrow. But I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. Um, I love the play call um, by, by Kenny Pickett. You know, it was confirmed that he did adjust it um, and, and make the call. Um, I want Matt Canada fired like yesterday. I want to fire like yesterday, but I will say this in regards to Matt Canada. Um, a lot of people who uh, follow follow Sports City and a lot of you guys who follow me on social media know I was actually in the building. I, I was actually at the game. And sitting where I sat, um, I was able to see the plays develop and things unfold. Um, and as much as Matt Canada sucks as a play caller, Kenny Pickett didn't help him out much. So, um, I, I think a lot of the offensive struggles that we have experienced um, is laid at the feet uh, of Kenny Pickett just as much as laid at the feet of Matt Canada. Uh, with that being said, I love the play call. Like I alluded to, I love the fact that he trusted his instinct, adjusted, per, adjusted the protection, made the call, um, and the fact that Matt Canada was dumbfounded and shocked by it even made it more enjoyable for me. Um, again, looking ahead, we have a, a very game, a very, very tough opponent this week playing the L.A. Rams in their place. Um, we, they got two wide receivers and Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup who are good as advertised. Um, and we got corners on, on the other side of the football that seem to not know how to cover anybody. We got Levi Wallace, who I have personal nickname, Burnt Toast, because he's getting cooked 
by anybody who lines up on the other side of him. We got Patrick Peterson, who is about as old as Jesus himself, you know, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm a little bit disturbed at what I got to deal with. Um, and at the end of the day, I got Mike Tomlin, who refuses to play the young guys. You know, Joey Porter is a, is a young guy. He's strapped up and got the interception there at the end versus Odell Beckham Jr. and told, told Odell Beckham Jr. to go home and be a family man, picked them off and got the ball back to my offense. We got Broderick Jones uh, wanting to jump and start at, at, at my left tight end, at, at my left uh now that's tackle spot, but yet Dan Moore just returned off of IR and based off of Mike Tomlin's press conference today will be inserted back into the starting lineup, uh, which, again, is horrible. So Mike Tomlin, I love Mike Tomlin, but I, I, I think he gets set in his ways a little bit um, and refuses to understand the talent that's around him and, again, doesn't want to rock the boat. Doesn't want to rock the boat. And sometimes uh, you can't really get to where you want to go unless you, you know, shake some stuff up and it can start by firing Matt Canada. So I, I'm encouraged by, you know, the win. I, 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 I like the fact that we're getting Deontay Johnson back uh, this week. I like the fact that Patty Frymuth is coming back this week. Um, I like the fact that uh, T.J. Watt is, you know, again, I don't care who you say, Bosa, Parsons, Hunter, I, I think that dude is still the best defensive player in, in all of football um, when, when healthy. Um, so, again, Arrow's pointed up. I like how our schedule unfolds. Um, even, you know, should we go out to L.A. and drop a loss, we got some very winnable games. The next three games after that are in our building versus opponents who I feel we should be able to, to beat. Um, and so it, it would have set us up for a nice little run. Do I think we win the division? No, I do not. I do think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to get themselves right in Baltimore as long as eight is upright. It's going to be a problem. But, again, Lamar Jackson – in his last, and the Baltimore Ravens are, are five and six. Uh, no, they, they lost five out of their last six playing Pittsburgh. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens now, but it's going to be a fun little run down the stretch, man, and, I, and I'm here for it all. With that being yeah, said, I just, uh, call another. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, buddy, go ahead. No, 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 you're good, man. I was just going to say, I just thought it was funny that literally to date, the most influential play in the 2023 season for the for the Steelers and what's essentially allowed you to be above 500 was a call that your offensive coordinator didn't even make <laughs> everybody was going crazy <laughs> up there in the booth and he's just sitting there looking dumbfounded and you see the other coach lean over and point at the camera and all of a sudden he just smiles like what a what a dummy I can't stand him. Uh, I want him gone. I mean, me and Harvey have spoken about this dude uh, being gone villain. Uh, he, you know, we spoke about it at, at length. Uh, he needs to go. Um, but with that being said, um, I think Kenny Pickett um, and Najee Harris, who needs to eat some of this crow as well, needs to share some of this load because, again, they're receivers that are open, you know, and Kenny Pickett, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to throw an accurate ball, nor does he, you know, throw to where the receivers are open. Like, case in point, and again, I guess I'll talk about the Steelers. Case in point, on the two-point conversion play that uh, we ran after George Pickens scored the touchdown, Allen Robinson was wide open in the flat, wide open in the flat for the two-point conversion play. But Kenny Pickett, he looked it off and chose to try to force the ball into a tight window to our fourth wide receiver, Boykin, on, on, on a breaking route. Take the flat. He walked into the end zone. 
You know what I'm saying? So it's it, that type of stuff, you know, not not understanding that you can throw the ball away and live to fight another down. Um, you know, looking down the field and, 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 and instead of taking the you know the the, the two yard out, you know, the, the play calling of Kenny, uh, the play calling of Matt Canada is baffling me. It's it's third and one, second and one, and we line up in shotgun to run another jet sweep. You know what I'm saying? We we call them jet sweep Canada. You know, throughout the whole time we were up there, you know, the fire Canada chant started right in the middle of the second quarter. You know, me and my dad had a bet. So it, it's funny, man. I, again, I, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, things will look different with a full complement of, of, of players and a full complement of receivers and offensive weapons. But I, I will say this. We looked like total dog water week one, and everybody was healthy. So we'll see what happens. Now, again, we played San Fran, you know, arguably the best defense in the league. But, again, we look like dog water. Um, and so I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too encouraged by it, but we'll say. It's, it's funny, serious <laughs> because those exact two words are the, the two words that we used in Baton Rouge to describe him after he was gone. Okay, uh, at least we're not going to have to run 50 jet sweeps a game. Jet Sweep Canada, man. Jet Sweep Canada. Can't, I can't stand him, though. Call the number 929 Lock and load with Sports City Chef there. Um, I wanted to spend a little bit of time before, um, you know, we wrap up and, and, and get out of here um, about uh, this New England Patriots team, man. Uh, again, I am a, a, a card-carrying member of the New England Haters Club. Uh, been a member since I can remember. However, uh, what's going on right now with, with this team and this organization is damn right insane. You know, um, shit, did, did, has Bill Belichick lost the team? Um, what's going on defensively? They haven't, you know, put it together. Um, again, I understand you got Matt Jones as your quarterback. You know, case to be made, who's a worst quarterback, Matt Jones, or fill in the blank. Um, but what's going on in New England? Tom, let's talk to me, man. Fix the Patriots. Or don't. I don't care. <laughs> I'm cool seeing them struggling. Hold on. I'm, I'm up here unmuting. I'm up here unmuting. Um, I don't know how to answer this situation in New England, man. Um, Every time, everybody trying to put it on Belichick, and you could just see Belichick just frustrated with what he has. Um, I'm gonna say this here and now, though, it's over for Mac Jones. I don't. There's there's nothing you could tell me. That offense has been rated the worst offense in the NFL. Um, the mind of Belichick is he's a defensive minded coach, but Belichick's roots are from the offense. So you got to understand how personal he is taking it. Belichick used to be a lineman. Um, and just seeing that they can't perform, they can't move the ball, um, everybody's getting to them. And Mac Jones looks so indecisive back there. This is the second game that he got benched. Like, c- come on. And this was a game of fight with the Raiders. Like, and we know historically the Patriots have always had the Raiders number. <laughs> now the Raiders got them. It's like, what, what else can they not do? Like, when do they pick up another win? Is this going to be a 1-16 season? For the Patriots, I want to watch that close. Will they end up one and sixteen? Will that will that be the season of the Patriots? Will Will Belichick go down in one of the worst seasons ever <laughs> in Foxborough, Massachusetts? That that's incredible that it's gotten this bad this at this point in time. I don't know. Um, a lot of people were actually out, um 
trying to push the envelope out here saying, we're still going to be better than the Jets. And this was before uh, Rodgers had gotten injured. And it's like a lot of the people that I was talking to, they're they not even talking football no more. They want to talk about the Bruins. They want to talk about the Celtics and the big three. They are not talking about the Patriots at all. And we are at the beginning, well, at least halfway through the second quarter of the season right now. So um, this is an unfortunate situation to watch them go through two decades of dominance to complete crap. Like, like this is complete crap. And um, as much accolades as Matt got coming out of Tuscaloosa, um, he doesn't even look like a Tuscaloosa player. He doesn't even look like an Alabama Crimson Tide player formerly. Um, he's gotten away with a lot of it. And I I think if they end up getting rid of him, Matt Jones would never probably see a field again starting I, unless somebody gets injured and he gets that backup uh, quarterback mentality. He, He's not, and he's he's on the big one of the biggest stages being on the Patriots, having to start after Brady and the expectancy and everything that they wanted to have happen is there. It, it isn't there, excuse me. And um, I think they're going to have to survive with either him or if they really want to give Zappy a go or what. But I, I can't believe it's that bad in Massachusetts. Let me ask you this question again. You know, I, 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 we could throw it around. You know, a lot has been made about Matt Jones being a bad quarterback. And, again, I'm not trying to sit here and say that the brother's good. But what I will say is that the New England Patriots really haven't done a great job surrounding him with any type of legitimate talent either. Like, they have all these draft picks. You know, they're the OKC Thunder of the NFL with, with 50 million draft picks. you got, you know – you know, money to spend and money to blow, and your big name free agent acquisition this off season was Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, what I'm saying you go out and pick up uh, a declining running back and and, and Zeke Elliott. You don't address the offensive line uh, to, to 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 do anything with. So again, I don't don't get it twisted, TP. You you are correct. You know, Matt Jones is, is horrible, horrible, but. At the end of the day, like, New England Patriots really haven't done a great job of upgrading their team and doing anything that have to help their young quarterback out. Breaking news, talk to me, man. Fix the New England Patriots. I mean, can you do anything? I don't think so, man. I really don't. They're, listen, I'd be the first to tell you their their only problem is not Mac Jones, but it's their biggest problem. And we've talked about this before, and I'm going to say this to you again because some people like to give uh, Mac a pass, right? Like, they don't have great receivers. They don't have this. They don't have that. You can be an uber-talented quarterback and be kind of a jerk, and that can work because you're talented. You can be the guy that's humble and a really nice guy, and you might have borderline talent but not over-the-top talent. And you know what? Your guys will play really hard for you because you're a good guy. You can't be a whiny brat. You can't be somebody that grown men don't want to play with and not be talented. It is very rare in the NFL, and you guys can go back and look at this, it is very rare in the NFL that over the course of a three-year career that that the best 10-game stretch you have is the first 10 games in the league. And that's Mac Jones in a nutshell. He has regressed to the point where he honestly can't even start. Like, it's that bad. And you're right. It's not all on him. It doesn't help that he's been sacked 14 times to this point. 
you extrapolate that by three, we're talking 50 plus sacks over the course of a year. That's, I mean, you're, you're entering Joe Burrow type territory. It doesn't help that by the end of the year, he probably won't have a receiver that eclipses 600 receiving yards. And we now have a 17 game season when a guy like Tyreek Hill might hit 2000 yards. That doesn't help. It doesn't help that Ramondre Stevenson averaged almost five yards a carry last year. And this year is only averaging two and a half yards a carry. None of that helps, but that's the facts and the reality. And the reason why it's on bill is because when Nick Sirianni left New England and they allowed him to leave to go to, to uh, the Houston Texans to take the GM job because he didn't want to be the assistant GM any longer, Bill has wanted to have his hands in the pocket, the, 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 the pot of every single thing. And I think, unfortunately, what you're seeing is Bill is a much better coach than he is a talent evaluator. Bill understands the pieces that he wants. Yes, he can talk to, you know, Fabian. He can talk to all the good old boys at the college, uh, Fabian. He could talk to, you know, all the good old boys at the college level that, that he deals with in order to find out personality and traits and things like that. But the bottom line is there's a reason why scouting is important. There's a reason why player personnel people are important. There's a reason why the Philadelphia Eagles are really good right now, and, and Roseman's a huge part of that. The problem with the Eagles right now are, are just plain and simple. They're devoid of talent. They have no talent. They're a very talentless team. They're not very talented offensively. They are not very talent de- talented defensively. This is the same team, the Texans, a team that came off of one of the worst records in the history of the NFL, no offense to Harvey, just held the Saints to 13 points last week, and two weeks ago they scored 34 and uh, 34 nothing against the New England Patriots. Like, the Patriots are so bad right now. If they got a GM in there tomorrow, you're looking at probably two or three off-seasons before they're even competitive. They don't have quality depth. They haven't drafted well. They haven't they haven't doled out good contracts. I mean, they paid Jason, they paid Kendrick Bourne like a number one receiver, and he's exactly what he was when he was in San Francisco, a number three. They paid, you know, you can't pay guys. You know, they were always so good at letting guys go a year or two early as opposed to overpaying. They're now in a position where they're overpaying because really, let's keep it 100, who really wants to go to New England now that Tom's not there. You have no shot of winning and the weather sucks. And, and I, I, I just think that that's where they're at. You know, if you're really being real and honest about the, about the uh, prospects, they're not a talented team. I, I would say they're a bottom three team in the NFL when it comes to talent. And they're probably the worst team in the NFL when it comes to the quarterback position. Yeah, you know what? I mean, you make a lot of a, a lot a lot of points there uh, regarding the, the the New England Patriots. Um, I mean, again, a, a, a storied franchise, a, a franchise who you know has been to the mountaintop time and time again. Um, again, I, I, I am a you know again card carrying member of the 
you know, New England Patriots hater club, but it's it, it, it's almost un, it's almost sad and, to see how this is unfolding. Serious, let me go ahead. Serious, one last, one last thing, and you know what? I forgot to mention this. All these people want to give all the credit always to Belichick and even to Tom Brady. People forget Scott Pioli, a hell of a, a GM, was there for a really long time. You know what I mean? Nick Sirianni was there a, a long time. Castellano was there a long time. All these guys are talent evaluators that New England had for years and years and years. They were really good. They found these diamonds in the rough in the third, fourth, fifth round and, and would work in their system. They're no longer finding those guys because they don't have those kind of evaluators. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, I know we don't like to talk about, you know, the other network, but I saw something uh, that Stephen A. said. Um, perhaps, you know, Bill Belichick can coach. He's one hell of a coach. But maybe he should stop going to the store and buying and paying for the groceries as well. Um, because based off of what he has currently done and what he's done previously, he doesn't seem to be a great evaluator of talent, and he doesn't seem to be the guy who understands what he needs to, to, to go out and get, um, you know, to, to, to make a job work. Like, that's a very difficult job. Like, you can't be the coach and the GM, you know, as well. Like, Ron Rivera does that here in D.C., and, you know, you see how well that works out for you. You know what I'm saying? So it's very difficult to juggle both. Um, so maybe that could be something that the Patriots can do, just, you know, as Bill Belichick with the coaching team and they bring in, you know, Lewis Riddick or, or somebody to be the general manager. Maybe that helps. You know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Even then. Talk to me. No, but even then, I mean, this is probably – no, no, no. There's no probably to it. This is the least attractive franchise in this division. And right now, one of the least attractive franchises to play for in the entire in the entire league, and we already know uh, some of the reputation that Boston has in the city and all this. But I mean, just looking at this division, uh, you know, the weather on South Beach is nice. You got a quarterback that can pull the trigger. You got all kinds of weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Um, that's an attractive destination right now. Uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo, their window is still open. Uh, you know, the Jets went got Aaron Rodgers, but the Jets have, over the last couple of years, drastically upgraded the talent on that roster. I mean, to me, uh, yeah, you might need somebody else to come in and evaluate talent. And then the other thing I'll say is, I, you know, Mac Jones looks like, a lot of previous Alabama quarterbacks that came before him, uh, with the exception of maybe Tua. I mean, uh, Matt Jones, to me, is not much better than, say, uh, uh, Brody Croyle or somebody like that uh, who, who got a little bit of run with the Chiefs, right? Like, this is, uh, you know, he backed into that job. He uh, it was supposed to go straight from Tua to uh, Bryce Young, and – he played pretty well at the end of the year when Tua got hurt and, you know, really put in the work in the offseason. Bryce came in later, so uh, Nick Saban went with sort of the veteran for one year. 
Um, and they had a good season the year that he was their starting quarterback. But still, at the end of the day, um, he's average at best, and I don't even know if it's that. But you're right. I mean, the, the talent level in this roster is, is just not there. Uh, and the problem with this is I, I hate to see him go out like this in some ways, but at some point, uh, Belichick needs to consider cashing in too. I agree with you that he can coach, uh, but this guy's not, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely very long in the tooth now. And do you really have the patience in your seventies to oversee a rebuilding project and commit to, you know, three or four years? Because to me, that's how long it's going to take. Even in today's NFL, with free agency, with salary cap, and and with rosters fluctuating more now than they ever have before. But even in today's NFL, I mean, at best, and this is assuming they do everything right, um, <laughs> and some other teams really having to fall off. This is a three- or four-year journey back to the top of the AFC, and that's a minimum. And and I'm not even saying that it's that it's doable, but if it were to get done, um, it would take it would take that much time. The the talent is just that depleted on this roster. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest issue that they have. Like, there's, there's, there's really no talent. Like we started off this conversation talking about Mac Jones, and again, he he should share some of this blame. Um, but literally, like, there's really no talent on this roster. There's nobody, if you look up and down this roster, that you like, yo, what, we got a game plan for this guy. We got to stop that guy, you know. And, you know, on, and on every other roster in the lot- league, I mean, even, ha- even even Arizona, you know what I'm saying, who's, you know, a, a bottom feeder type of team, uh, and you, you know you got to guard, you know you got to stop. You know, this, this team here with the New England Patriots, you, you fear nobody. You know, you sure nobody, and that and that goes to the the lack of talent that everybody's talking about uh, with the New England Patriots, man. One more thing I wanted to get to, and then we can wrap it up this season. The Sunday night game uh, featured the Buffalo Bills and, and the New York Football Giants, and shout out to who who's not here dealing with some family stuff. Um, but I feel as though this Buffalo Bills team. Uh, got away with one here, and I want to go right back to you, Harvey. Um, talk to you about how this game kind of unfolded uh, when the Buffalo Bills emerged victorious, winning a close one, 14-9. I feel like the Giants' defense stepped up and played. Uh, it's, it's, they showed their best effort of the season, uh, and I thought that Josh Allen really kind of had to go off script in order to possibly pull this out and at the end of the day like uh, TP said it on Sunday he said that uh, you know in his mind Tyrod Taylor may be the best quarterback option uh, for this team I mean yeah they only put nine points on the board but we saw some progress we saw uh, Wanda Robinson the second year kid out of Kentucky uh, you know cashing on all eight of his targets we saw the, the team move a little bit I mean it's still not a good offensive line and they still have their holes but you know Buffalo if you want to be an elite team this is a team that you have to be able to close out um, they they definitely play with their food um, and they got away with one 
I'm not taking anything away from the defensive efforts that the Giants put forth uh, on Sunday night. But this is a game that is not supposed to be uh, as close as that score was. Uh, you know, we, we talked about this being a tough stretch for the Giants, and it, and it is. Uh, they they showed uh, much more much better than I expected in this game, but at the end of the day, they were still unable to eke it out. And to be quite honest with you, if the Giants want to avoid being in the top five in the draft, uh, they're going to have to win a couple games that they weren't that they're not supposed to win. Uh, this is a game they could have gotten. Um, at the end of the day, they did not. Um, but I, I walk away from this game unimpressed. Uh, to me, the thing about Buffalo series that continues to jump out to me is it's almost like this team uh, at times plays down to their competition. They get up for Miami. They're in the backfield. They beat them 48-20. to 20, So people are like, oh, they've, they've really figured it out. And now, you know, they toy around and, and damn near get beat. Uh, in prime time against the Giants team that, quite frankly, has not looked very good all year. It took one good second half for them to to you got to win against Arizona, right? So this is a team that has looked uh, has looked poor has looked poor all year long, and Buffalo once again playing with its food, playing down to its competition, and that's not a recipe for. Success. They they just got beat by Jacksonville a week before, and then they you would think that they would have come out with a chip on their shoulder and and really showed up for this one, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I you got, know the Buffalo. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. No, no. You, you go ahead and and then I'll. I just want to chime in when you're done. No, but what, what I was going to say is. Uh, this this Buffalo Bills team, uh, I, I think, are, are, are a nice little representation of Jekyll and Hyde um, because, again, you know, Mr. Harvey alluded to it. They they do play up for Miami and Kansas City and and, 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 and those types of guys. And, and then, you know, when you play a team that you should beat that's on their, you know, backup, you know, offensive line and backup, you know, quarterback and – you know, this game comes down to uh, a blown call. You know, I'm, I'm gonna call it a spade a spade that that was a hold on Darren Waller in the end zone. They should have had a second on time down. Um, that, that that's what this game comes down to. Um, so the Buffalo Bills are a huge question mark for me. But talk to me, uh, breaking news. What, 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 what's on the line here? Well, I got a couple things. The first thing is. This is this is this this game is a perfect indication of why bad teams are bad, and, and why I lumped Dallas into that category earlier in the year, and, and that is the Giants. The Giants were able to drive twenty to twenty pretty well, but they could never get in the end zone. They kicked two field goals where they had the ball inside the ten yard line. You you can't win games like that. You can't win games kicking field goals. Buffalo didn't score a single point in this game until the fourth quarter. The defense did all that they possibly could. And I will tell you, I'm I'm personally a little a little concerned and a little worried about Buffalo. In this game, yeah, it was the it was the offense 
that really kind of stumbled and really looked bad because I know the Jets had more offensive production. But when you start losing key cogs on defense, they lost their starting middle linebacker, Matt uh, Milano. They lost their starting, I believe it's their starting left corner, Tavarius uh, White. So, I mean, they're losing key cogs on this defense. And this defense is really what allows them to be in the conversation with a Kansas City, with a Cincinnati, with, you know, insert, you know, powerhouse AFC team here. And now that the defense, and we're going to, and, and I'm just going to say it because I don't think the, the, the Giants, no disrespect to, to Barry, but I think he would say the same thing if he was here. I don't think the Jets are a very, or the Giants are a very good team. And yeah, I understand they only got nine points, but they were able to move the ball pretty well. I think that this is a bigger problem and a bigger indictment on Buffalo's defense creeping back towards average. And, and, and maybe this season's going to look more like a 10 win Buffalo team as opposed to a 12 or 14 win team like a lot of people thought. Well, you know, again, the, the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, I, I haven't been a fan of them for, for, for a while, and I said this uh, early on uh, when we did the preview show. I think this Buffalo Bills team is going to suffer because I honestly think they have, you know, their defense took a massive hit. Um, and, again, they have to protect Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, let's keep it a buck, has not looked, you know, good recently, you know, I mean, he's managed to, to eke out some wins, but I don't think he's 100%. And if you look at, you know, who they got coming down the pike, uh, they're going to need Josh Allen to be Josh Allen to, to win a couple of these games, and I'm not too sure that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, with that being said, uh, I want to thank everybody for coming by and kicking it tonight. My body is telling me to shut it down, so I'm definitely going to do that. Uh, breaking news, man. Thanks for coming by, man. Give us a plug and a close out and you shut it down, sir. Yeah, you know what? It was a pleasure tonight, boys, hanging out with you guys. Check out sportscitychefs.com. Uh, these boys do a phenomenal job of putting up new content, fantasy football advice, sports information, and uh, just just a lot of good info. Obviously, all the shows you guys do throughout the week. It's always a pleasure, man. Uh you know, every once in a while, Sirius will will see a team uh, get extraordinarily hot. I think this year it might be the Texas Rangers. The Rangers have not lost the game so far uh, in the playoffs in the MLB, and they're playing the seven-time defending ALCS champs. They're already up two nothing. The Rangers might be the team of destiny. They they might not lose a game this year. I'm going to go ahead and give you the Texas Rangers and raise you the Philadelphia Phillies. Because them boys right now are playing some sick bubble. We'll talk about that hopefully tomorrow on tomorrow's show, man. It's not nothing, and they're not stopping. Um, Mr. Harvey, man, talk to me, man. Give me a plug and a closeout. Thanks for coming by and kicking it with me, man. Hey, man. Always a pleasure. It's been a privilege to be part of this family. Shout out to TP. Uh but shout out to you, Sirius, to you, Breaking News, Brian Hughes, other chefs, villain. Uh, looking forward to having him back in the building soon. Uh, shout out to Chandler as well, all the other chefs that are part of this community. We got shows six days a week. So check us out.
uh, Carlos Cookout tomorrow night. We're going to take a hiatus for the roundtable gumbo at least until next week. I'm going to watch the Saints cobble together an offensive line and get blown up by Josh Allen in Jacksonville. Uh, until I'll see you guys next week, unless I hear from Chandler Thursday and he says he's uh, just raring to do a show, and then I'll, I'll pop up. So stay tuned. See what we got going on here. Uh, check out the website, the blog. Thanks to PHIapparel.co. Uh, check them out. Use that promo code CHEFS at checkout. The crazy thing is about those uh, Rangers, man, they haven't lost a game in the playoffs, and they've only played one home game uh, so far. So they go home for at least the next two in the AFC. Yeah. But, yeah, this Phillies team is on fire, man. Until next time, uh, man, everybody stay blessed. And they and they Bay. Peace. Thank you so much, Mr. Harvey, for coming back, kicking on with us, man. C.P. Thomas, man, uh, go ahead and give us a plug in the crowd. We shut it down this evening, sir. Uh, SportsCityChefs.com. Check out the website, interviews, the blogs, everything the chef's got going on. Uh, we'll be back here hopefully tomorrow. Just got to see the atmosphere. Stay tuned to everything that we got social media-wise. Things are getting pretty hot in these bird months, that is for sure. And oh, yes. If you don't want to hear the good stuff, y'all better stay away from me because I am ecstatic the way things have been going. I, I, I know I know it's coming for me. I know. But right now, uh, I'm, I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa, and it feels good. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, sir, for coming by, man. Uh, man, like I always say, man, your boy shares up enough four one two and a seven oh three, man. Such a pleasure and a pleasure to be here with you guys doing this every week. Um, shout out to everybody who's been rocking with us, man. Hopefully my man, you know, takes care of what he needs to take care of and gets back in the button. Shout out to the homies Bellin. Uh Chandler, man, pleasure to uh kick it with you, man, and speaking with you, man. It's been fun. The homie voice man doing the basketball show, man. Everybody's doing their thing, man. I, it's a privilege to be part of a group, to be part of a family. Uh, before we get out of here, man, peace and love to all those suffering. Uh, you know, I, I, I pray and hope for peace um, and, and understanding and, and love and kindness in the Middle East, man. What's going on over there? It, it's wild. We're going to get political on this show. But, again, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak my mind. I got to tell people how I feel about some things. So, again, I, I pray peace and understanding for those that are suffering. With that being said, CP said it, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend to chef again. If they don't know, man, now we know, man. We don't. Sports. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the food. They well in tune, blue like a barbecue. Superman vs. Emmanuel, the clouds move. So tell a friend it's a sports chef. Pay attention, tune in. We love